Hey, good morning, everybody. Um, welcome to, again to Life Point. We are so glad that you are all here. Um, my name is Todd, and uh, I don't usually point out my apparel, but I have something extra special on today. Um, in uh, Life Group this week, somebody endowed me with a pair of socks that were very apro apropos for this season, so I'll show those to you. Check those out, huh? Um, <laughs> Got the old black cat on top of the jack-o'-lanterns. You really can't go wrong with that in October. So uh, anyway, I'm ever the fashion plate. Thank you. Um, well, I am glad to be with, uh, with you guys. And we're talking about David. We're continuing this study about King David in Scripture. And uh, that is probably, even if you haven't spent a lot of time in church, a familiar name to you. That's something that you have... Um, you've heard about David. And I encourage you, if, if this is your first time joining us or, or you haven't missed, maybe missed a couple of these messages, uh, I would just encourage you to go back and listen to these because um, David is just in a remarkable figure. He's a remarkable historical figure, true, uh, true person from history, and uh, just, just, just an incredible part of Israel's history and part of Scripture. And so um, we're going to continue uh, to look at him today. And what I want to talk about is planning. I want to talk about plans, planning. Um, up here, or actually on the, uh, on the David uh, screen here, it says um, David uh, with, with the dreamer here. That's another word. Dreamer, planning, um, that idea of, of seeing what should be and what you want to have happen. It's all tied up in that. And so to get us started thinking about that, I wanted to share with you just a few quotes about planning and uh, just get our, our thinking going in the right direction. Um, and here's one. An hour of planning can save you 10 hours of doing. That's pretty profound. An hour of planning can save you 10 hours of doing. That's, that's good. Um, a goal without a plan is just a wish. A goal without a plan is just a wish. Now, here's one you might know off the top of your head. I mean, actually memorized because you've heard it so many times. When you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Exactly, exactly. That's, that's, and you've heard that, and I think it is true. Um, and then finally, you might remember from the uh, 1980s series, The A-Team, uh, Hannibal, with a cigar clenched in his teeth, would often say, I love it when a plan comes together, right? Um, so these are all just some different thoughts about planning, but planning is important. Planning is, is really vital if you're going to live life successfully in any regard, because without a plan, you are doomed often to fail, and if you don't have a target, they, they say you hit it every time. That's, that's how life works. So uh, I'm a planner, and I did some planning just a few weeks ago, actually. I was engaged in some planning, and my kind of planning was meal planning, okay? Uh, meal planning is important if you've never done that, at least for a person like me, because what happens is if I don't plan my meals, I end up gravitating toward unhealthy meal choices, right? And I realize that I'm like 98 pounds dripping wet. However, if I, um, I'm just concerned about what my arteries look like if I eat double cheeseburgers from McDonald's every day. So I decided I am going to, to eat healthy, and the way I'm going to facilitate that is I'm going to make meals for an entire week, I'm going to put them in little containers, and I'm going to have those ready to go for myself. And so I decided I want to do this as quickly as possible, but as healthy as possible. And so I'm going to use an instant pot. Is it instant pot or instapot? 
Instapot. Okay, I, anyway, we've got one. Okay, so I pulled it out of the pantry, and I, uh, I set it on the counter, and I kind of had to do some YouTube videos to figure out even how to fire the thing up and everything. But I put some, uh, some rice in there, and I put some chicken in there, and I was going to put some broccoli in there later for these, because it's all healthy stuff, and that's good. And I used to knew, know a, a guy who was from uh, Hong Kong, and he would eat stuff like that every day, and he always seemed to be healthy, so I was going to make myself healthy too. Um, but I wasn't going to put all the seasonings. I was just going to be lazy and just put literally those three ingredients and water in there. So that's what I did. And uh, I read in there that th these are amazing. Uh, uh, Instapots are remarkable because they're, just, they're like crock pots with a temper. They just turn, they, they cook like that. And so I put the, the, the rice, which usually would take a long time to cook rice. If you ever cook, this is not minute rice, this was slow rice. And I was going to cook it, cook it in this Instapot. It said it only took two minutes to cook. And so I was like, wow, that's fast. So I'm gonna, I've got to you know, make sure that's set up. And so I looked on there and I turned the Instapot on and it said 2 colon 0, 0. I was like, man, this is already set up and everything's ready to go. And so I locked it down, did a, battened the hatches, all that stuff. And then I, I hit the start button. And, um, and then I went away like, you know, I'm not going to babysit this thing while it's cooking. And so I went in the other room. And while I was in the other room, um, I got distracted by other things and just was doing whatever, watching TV. And I realized after a little while that I hadn't heard this thing go off. So I went back in the kitchen and I looked at it and realized that instead of setting it for two minutes, I'd set it for two hours. Well, I only let it go for about 15 minutes, but let me tell you, there is a mysterious and remarkable, miraculous alchemy that happens to rice when it's cooked for 15 minutes instead of two. And you could not tell the difference between rice and mashed potatoes by the time it was done. I mean, it was a white globular substance is all I can describe it. And so I plunged my, I said, I'm not deterred. I'm not going to let that stop me. And so I, I parceled this stuff up into the different containers. It was about as nasty as wallpaper paste, but I put it in all the different containers and I thought, I'm going to eat this by cracky. I'm not going to let this beat me. And so I put it in all those, and I put the chicken in there, and I put the, the broccoli in there as well. And so I ate this every day. I just, if you cover stuff with hot, sweet and sour sauce, you can eat anything. Let me just tell you. So I, I just started eating this every day, and I didn't, wasn't able to eat them all that week. And so I had to save them over the weekend. I kept them refrigerated. Come on, and leave them on the counter. Kept them refrigerated the whole time. And then I pulled them back out the next week, and I was going to indulge, if you want to call it that, the next week in these and try to finish them off. And I think it was maybe Tuesday or Wednesday of that week. I was really stretching it out pretty far, I guess, because uh, I'd cooked them the previous Sunday. So anyway, um, I, I, I went in there. I, took there. I went to the nursing home. I was a nursing home in Huntsville, and I took them into this little room that has a microwave, and I put my lunch, plopped my lunch back, uh, box down in there, and I, it was just a minute, and I was like, man, there is something that smells in this little enclosed area here. It's like, man, this dirty nursing home, they let a mouse or a, a squirrel or something get in here and die. And I was just sniffing around. And I was like, where is that? I mean, that's, that's horrific. And I was just looking around the corners and trying to see if there was something in the cabinets, and I couldn't see anything. And uh, then I thought, oh, I bet you they put something in the trash, you know, if they don't take the trash out very fast. And I stuck my nose in the trash can. Not a good idea. But it, was, it, it smelled fine. Well, I cracked open the lunchbox and opened the, um, opened the, uh, the zipper there and then uh, popped open the lid of that, and you could have knocked a buzzard off a gut wagon with that stench. 
my nostril hair singed when I smelled that. And let me just tell you, lesson, if you don't get anything else from out of this morning, broccoli will turn on you when you're not looking. <laughs> that broccoli uh, had gone way bad on me. And um, so you'll be glad to know I threw the broccoli away and still ate the rest. It was okay. But anyway... <laughs> Very conservative with my food. So anyway, uh, lesson, <laughs> now I just eat cheeseburgers, folks, okay? <laughs> so uh, at any rate, my plan did not go well, and maybe you've experienced that same thing in your life with plans that you've had in your life. And we all have had plans that have failed. You know, I think when we're younger, maybe, uh, and some of you fall in that category, and that's terrific, you're making plans for yourself. Uh, you're coming up with plans for your life and kind of thinking, what is the course I want to take? Maybe you're in your teens or your 20s and you're thinking, uh, you know, what are my goals and what are my dreams for my life and what do I want to do and what do I want to achieve? And that's great. I think it's a good thing. I was just thinking of some of those different things that I thought they all begin with the letter F and I, I was just thinking of different things. Fame is maybe something that you have, have I- either now or in the past have been something that you've sh- wanted to shoot for. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be famous. I mean, there are people that leverage fame for incredibly good things. There's, there's people that are influencers in our society, whether on social media or wherever. And, and if they're influencing people for good, it's fantastic. I think I probably wanted to do that when I, or early on when I was starting out. I thought, man, I want to be famous. I want to be a person of influence. I want people to know my name. Uh, I, I want to be well-known. Maybe you, you felt that way. Uh, or maybe, maybe it, was, it was finances or fortune, if you want to say it that way. Maybe you've, you've said, hey, I, I want to achieve this level of financial success or this, this amount of money, or I want to get this kind of job and that's going to that's gonna take me over the line where I'm going to be financially independent. I'm going I'm to really do well for myself. Maybe that was the goal. Or maybe, um, maybe it was just something pretty modest. I think some people just have really modest goals, and, and I know many of us go into life thinking, you know, I'd just like to have a really good family. You know, I'd like to have, um, you know, find Mr. or Mrs. Wright. I'd like to find that person, and I would like to, uh, you know, have, 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 you know, 3.2 children, whatever. You know, I would like to live in this house. I'd like to have a picket fence, and I'd like to just see those kids grow up and, and see them go to, go to school maybe and, and see them have kids of their own and, and just, uh, just have a, a, a family. Maybe that's what uh, people's goals are and what their plans entail. Well, you've discovered, uh, as I have, that plans uh, don't always go the way that we wanted them to. And maybe it was, if, if you were looking to be famous, maybe you're now at middle age like I am and you're thinking, you know, I, I'm pretty sure I'll never be famous. I'm never going to be uh, well-known. It just That's not going to be a reality because um, I've never achieved anything impressive or that people know. And maybe the only people that know me are the people uh, that I interact with regularly or my friends, and that's about it. Or... Uh, maybe, as far as fortune goes, maybe you picked an industry or, or got a job in, a, in a, a line of work that just didn't take off like you thought it would, and there was never really those opportunities that fell in line for you, or you were not in the right place at the right time, and, and you didn't experience success as far as finances. I mean, you, you never got achieved those goals that you'd hoped. Or maybe, 
Uh, maybe it's, it's family. You know, sometimes we, 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 we miss the mark on family. And, and you had just, it seemed like a very reasonable, again, a very good goal. I think fame, fortune, family, those are all fantastic goals. Um, but maybe as far as you pursuing a family, uh, maybe the big D word, divorce, crept in and scuttled those plans. Um, maybe just not because of what you did, but because of what somebody else did. And, and that totally made everything blow up. Maybe you never found Mr. or Mrs. Wright at all. Maybe you're still single and you're grappling with that. Uh, maybe you thought that you were going to have these kids and however many kids and, and infertility has raised its ugly head and that's become an impossibility and you haven't been able to have children. Or maybe, and I know there's, there's multiple people uh, this morning that are out there who have lost children. Um, and, and so the plan never really came together like you wanted it to. Every one of us, in a large or a small way, in some regard, knows what it is to plan and have those plans never come to fruition. Well, if you are in that boat, you realize and understand what it's like to just stand there with these broken plans, these broken dreams at your feet. And if that's your situation, if you've experienced that reality in your life, I love the fact that you and I are not alone. Uh, we are not alone. In fact, there is this biblical figure that we're looking at named David, and he experienced the exact same thing. He had a plan. He had a good plan. He had a great plan that was a God-honoring plan, and it did not happen. And so I want to invite you to look. We've been looking in the, uh, and before I, before I take you to this passage, we've been looking pretty much in 2 Samuel here, but there is a parallel account in 1 Chronicles. You can read about David in 2 Samuel, or you can read about David in 1 Chronicles. They're, they're kind of uh, um, synonymous or, or parallel accounts, although there's a few little differences. So it's kind of interesting to read one with the other and see what the differences are and the nuances are of the way that they describe the story of David. But we're going to be in First Chronicles today. And I've got to fast forward. If you were here last week, David was not king. David was a fugitive. He was running from Saul. He was fleeing from Saul, trying to get away from him. And uh, last week, he was not, not king. He was in, his life was being threatened. Well, fast forward to today, David has become king. Saul is dead. Jonathan, his son, is, Jonathan, David, uh, Saul's son is dead. Both of them were killed in battle. And now David is the king of Israel. He's in charge now. And so that's where we're going to pick it up. And he had not only become in charge, but he had built a house. He'd built a palace. Now, when David lived in his house, this summer I had the opportunity to, to actually see what remained of David's house. Beautiful place. Amazing place. I can only imagine what it looked like. All you could see was the foundations, but it overlooked Jerusalem. You have this panoramic view from his palace. It must have been an incredible place. David lived in this house and David said to Nathan the prophet, Behold, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of the covenant of the Lord is under a tent. 
David had an idea, and, and it was obvious to Nathan the prophet what this was. He was wanting to build something for God. He saw what he'd built for himself, and he said, well, what about God? If God is as important to me as I say he is, you would think that I would have built him a house for his glory to dwell in, for the Ark of the Covenant to be in. And David, David was struggling with that. And I'm, I'm going to say, and you can see this really in 2 Samuel, that this was not just David sitting around on his on his sofa in an afternoon, and he said, you know, I should build God a house. I don't think it worked like that at all. David had been thinking about this, and usually this is how it works in our lives. When, when we develop a plan, it gradually grows in our heart. David had been thinking about this, and, and it had been working in his mind, and he had been developing a plan, and he hadn't verbalized it to anybody, but he had been thinking, I need to build God a house. I need to build a temple for my God. And, and he had been co contemplating this over and over. And so finally, after he's created this, this, this clear image in his mind of what he needs to do, David says to Nathan the prophet, which is a great thing, he went to a, a godly spokesman for, for God and, and went to him and said, I, I, want, to, I want to tell you what's, what I'm thinking about. He says, I, I dwell in this, this, this incredible house, but the ark of the covenant of the Lord is under a tent. And so... Nathan responds to David, do all that is in your heart. God is with you. Nathan had seen the way God had worked in David's life, the way God had used David. David was one of those people that was like everything he touched turned to, to gold. David was just an incredible, uh, incredible person, and God was clearly with David. And Nathan said, go to it. I mean, I absolutely do it. Everything else you do works, and so why, don't, why not do this? David had this plan. He had contemplated it for a long time. He had decided this is what he needed to do. It was his dream. It was his desire. It was what he wanted to accomplish for God. There was nothing wrong about it. It was a good thing. But then, that night, that same night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan. Go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, and notice what he said. It is not you who will build me a house to dwell in. Those words must have hit David pretty hard. David loved God, and he wanted to do whatever he could to honor the name of God. And so he wanted a place for God's glory to dwell so people could come to that place and worship. God, David had a great plan to build this house. And then, almost as soon as he had verbalized it, that very night, Nathan, word comes to Nathan from God that it is not David. David, you are not the one who is going to build a house to dwell in. Now, when life changes course for us, and when our plans get broken, and things fall apart for us, we are on the horns of a dilemma at that point. Um, we've got to make a decision which way to go. And I will tell you the way many people go. And maybe some of us fit in this category. There's, there's two options, I think. Maybe there's more, but there's two that I think of. Number one is people sometimes will just become bitter, right? 
And maybe if you've experienced the brokenness of a plan in your life, you've experienced that feelings of bitterness. And it's like, why did God deny me this? This was a good plan. It's not like I wanted to, you know, to do something bad. It wasn't like I wanted to you know, counterfeit money or anything and I couldn't get the printing press. It's like, no, I wanted to, I wanted to have a family. I, I wanted to use my money for God. I wanted, to, uh, I wanted to be well known so I could influence people for God. I wanted to have a platform for God. And God through the realities of life, shuts that down. And, and we're left in the same place as David. And so we've got the option to be bitter, or we've got another option. And the other option is just try to force our plans through. And there's people that do that all the time. It's like, man, if, if, if I, you know, when, when the going gets tough, the tough get going, I'm just going to make this thing happen because I want it. It's my dream. It's my plan. I'm going to make it happen. Come hell or high water, I'm going to make it happen. And so some people come at things like that. Either bitterness or, or insistence on, on their way. I'm thankful that David didn't take either of those options. And what God did next is God said, I am going to give you a glimpse of my plan for you, David. And David, my plan for you is infinitely better than your plan. You. And take a look at what he said. This is what God said. He, this is the promise that God made to David, or the covenant that God made with David even. Really, it's called the, the, the Davidic covenant. And, and da- God says to David, look, this is what I'm going to do. And I've highlighted these ands because there's four parts here. God says to David, you plan to build me a house, but this is my plan for you, David. He says, and I will make for you a name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. So he's, he, David wasn't looking for fame, but God says, I'm going to give you fame. I'm going to make you an influencer. And I will appoint you a, appoint a place for my people Israel, and I will plant them that they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more. And violent men shall waste them no more as formerly from the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel. And I will subdue all your enemies. David's, God's plan for David, David wanted to build a house for God. But God said, no, I've got a much bigger, a much grander plan for you, David, than just you building a house for me. That is not your place. What I want is I want you to, to, to have this, this plan realized in your life where you are going to be a key, pivotal person in the life and the history of my nation Israel. And, and you are going to be part of my plan for protecting the nation Israel and helping them be established in Israel. Before, they had judges. You read that maybe the book, seen the book of Judges or heard about the book of Judges. And it was just these random regional rulers. David, God says, I am going to solidify my nation through you, David. And people are going to be blessed. I am going to bless my people through you, David. That's my plan. And it's not going to be in the way you think it should happen through a building me a temple. It is going to be my plan that I'm going, to, I'm going to give you. And it's incredible. And the irony here is remarkable. Remember, David's, David wanted to build God a house. That's literally what he said. David wanted to build God a house. God says, uh-uh. No, not at all. In fact, moreover, I declare to you that the Lord will build you a house. God, David wanted to build a house for God. God said, I'm going to build a house for David. It's pretty awesome. 
Uh, he, I think Matt would say he, he flipped the script on him. He, he, he turned things around. He said, David was planning on building a house for God. God says, no, no, I, I, I'm going to build a house for you, David. I've got a much different, much bigger plan than you could have ever envisioned. And through that house, I am going to do something uh, remarkable. Something remarkable. And I'm going to, to, to use you. Now, um, I don't know how this hit David, but uh, it's hard when God changes the course of our lives. It is hard when through circumstances or through what somebody else does or just the realities of life, we are redirected from the plan that we would have liked to achieve. That is exactly where David found himself. But this is what we learn from what we hear God telling David, is that whatever plan you have for yourself, whatever plan that you've devised, whatever dream you have, God has an infinitely better plan for you and for me. In fact, David did not understand how significant that plan was. Uh, just imagine with me for a minute if David had realized his plan. Imagine with me if David had seen through to completion his dream. What would have happened? Well, you know he would have done a good job. It would have been a remarkable temple, I am sure. I bet you he would have brought in the best wood. He would have brought in the best stone. He would have, he would have covered that thing in gold. They would have had beautiful pillars out front. I bet it would have been just this remarkable, remarkable uh, building on the Temple Mount that would have been resplendent. It would have been something beautiful. And down on the corner, on the corner of that building, I bet it would have said something like this. Temple of God Most High. Established 1000 B.C. David, King of Israel. And you know, we would have been talking about David today, maybe, as the builder of the first temple of God. That's a big deal. I mean, that's pretty impressive stuff. I mean, I, I would like that on my resume. Yeah, I'm the first one to build a temple for God. Thank you very much. And you'd be like, wow, that's, that's, that's really something. Todd, you know, I'd like that on business card. David didn't get to do it. But God had an incredibly superior plan. What if I sat down with David? Imagine if I could have brought him up here at this time when he got the, the hard news that he wasn't going to do that. And, and, and I was there when he heard these words. And you and I were here able to hear him be told these words by God through the, Nathan the prophet. When your days are fulfilled to walk with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, one of your own sons, and I will establish his kingdom. Uh, he shall build a house for me, and I will establish his throne forever. Now, imagine being able to, to come to David and say, David, I know you don't understand why you didn't get to build the temple for God. I know, David, you wanted to build a beautiful, remarkable, uh, fantastic temple to honor the God of Israel, and that is so good. But David, let me tell you something. You're going to have a son. Now, he hasn't even been born yet, but you're going to have a son. His name's going to be Solomon. 
And he's going to be an incredible king. He's going to be the wisest person who ever lived uh, to that time. And, and, and while uh, Solomon is alive, he is going to be the one to build this temple. He's going to get the job done, David. But David, that's not the extent of my plan for you. David, let me tell you, that son named Solomon is going to have a son. And he's going to have another son, and he's going to have a son, and, and they're going to have another son, and son, you know, there's going to be sons born in your lineage. And, and, and David, this is going to be well, well past your life. You're not going to get to see this. But David, do you know that one day, like a thousand years from now, David, uh, one millennium from now, there is going to be another king born in your line. And he is going to be referred to as the son of David. And, and David, that one that's going to be called the son of David, he's not going to be one of the anointed ones like your son's going to be and his son's going to be. David, the one who's going to be born a thousand years from now is going to be the anointed one. The Messiah. And David, you don't understand this word forever, but let me tell you, if you will just submit to God's plan, if you will, if you will go with His plan instead of your own, what's going to happen is that this one, is going, this Messiah, is going to be rejected by the nation. It's going to be very sad. They're going to actually going to, going to execute Him. But three days after His execution, He's going to raise again. And then one day, David, he is going to return to earth. And he is going to set up a kingdom, David, that will never end. And he is going to reign and rule forever. David had no clue how big God's plan was for him. David would have been David the temple builder. But instead, David was the one who was the ancestor of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. God's plan for David was so much better than David could have ever imagined. And let me just say to you this morning, God's plan for you is so much better than anything you could have ever imagined. His plan for you is better, if I can just sum it up right here. God's plan for you is better than your plan for you. Now that is hard to believe. When we are standing there with a broken pile of plans at our feet, that's hard to believe. But let me give you a caveat here and let me say something about this. You and I may never see God's plans, God's good plans fulfilled in our lives. Now that is hard to, to realize. That's hard to grapple with. But just because God has better plans for us, it may be like in David's case, that it may be generations down the road. It may be our children. It may be the, our children's children. Or it may be people that we influence. We, even if we don't have children. It may be people that we influence. People whose lives we touched. That God used us in ways we could have never envisioned or expected to accomplish something far larger than we could have ever imagined. That's exactly what happened 
with David here. God's plans were so, so, so much bigger. And God's plans for us are so, so, so much bigger. Who is God using you to touch? People who are around you. Ways that you are influencing and changing our world for Him that you would have never even imagined. The way we get there is not to choose our own plan, but to submit to His. To submit to His. This is probably... Now I'm going to ask you, how many of you have ever heard this verse? I'm going to let you read it here. Jeremiah 29.11. I don't like confusing this with a whole lot of passages, but how many of you have ever heard this verse? For I know the plans I have for you. Don't lie to me. Get your arms out. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> There's a lot of you that have heard this verse because I know, I mean, I, you don't have to spend much time in Christian world to see this verse. I mean, there are people, I, I go around all the time, I see, see it on people's walls, I see it on people's desks, I see it on people's day planners. This is a, a very well-known verse. It probably rivals John 3.16. Uh, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. And I love this verse. It's a great verse. It's so encouraging. Do you realize that the people who heard this verse probably not, never got to experience the meaning of it? Nobody knows, I don't want to say nobody, but most of us don't know the verse right before this. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you a hope, future and a hope. This verse was spoken to people, to God's people Israel, David's descendants who were in exile in Babylon. And I, t I t actually interacted with a scholar about this to make sure I wasn't going to tell you any baloney. The people at the maximum, the people to whom this was told had been in captivity for 12 years at the maximum. And you know what that means? That means the people who heard this verse had a minimum of 58 years before they were going to see rest restoration to the land. God has plans for you that are better than your plans for you. He has plans for me that are better than my plans for me. But those plans may be bigger than our lives. Those plans may extend beyond our lives. It may be something that you or I do today that extends far beyond us. And when out of the brokenness of our dreams, out of the brokenness of the things that we'd hoped for, out of the brokenness of our plans, if we will submit to God's plan, not our own, He'll take us and, and use us in ways that we would have never, ever anticipated. Guaranteed. Um, my uh, my uh, uh, grandfather... Interesting, interesting fellow. Um, he's been dead uh, almost 20 years. And um, he told me about when he was a young man uh, that he was at some kind of church group, church, church gathering. And I guess they were inviting people there at this church uh, gathering. Uh, the pastor or the preacher, whoever was up front, was saying, hey, if you uh, believe like that, 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 you, that you need to serve God in public professional ministry, then, uh, you know, come forward. 
And so my, my grandfather, he, he came up to the front, and the pastor, as he told it, explained it, put his hand on his shoulder, looked him in the eye, and said, young man, what you need to do is to go into air conditioning repair. <laughs> True story. Don't know why. <laughs> and he didn't take his advice. He went into uh, working for the U.S. Postal Service. And my grandfather made a career out of working for the U.S. Postal Service. Uh, obviously, that was a very impactful moment in his life. He had been told by somebody he respected that that whatever, whatever plan was for him was not that, and, and so he, he went a different direction. Well, you might say, well, that broken, broken dream, that broken plan, uh, that, 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 that just ended up in, in nothing. Well, no, because uh, he had a profound impact on his grandson. He had a big influence on his grandson, and, and his grandson is the one that's talking to you today. And I'm not saying that I've been used in remarkable, huge ways that I know of, but God has used me in some ways and He will use you as well. And He wants to in ways that we may be bigger than we could ever imagine. It may be somebody you're raising. It may be some kid that you're talking to or encouraging or, or helping with food or whatever like Quentin was talking about. It, there's no telling who it is. Maybe it's somebody you work with, but they are going to be the person that's impacted in incredible ways as part of God's plan through you. We don't know. We have no idea. And, and I, I have a friend in Nashville, and he, uh, he keeps up with, you know, I'm, I'm not really on Facebook, but he, uh, he keeps up with some postings. And, and I just want to illustrate this, because this has just been a couple weeks ago. He sent, he, sent, he sent me this. And this is a Facebook post from somebody I don't even know. I don't have a clue. But this, this, this individual uh, said, the six men from First Baptist Church Collinsville had the biggest influence in my life, not in any order, except E.B. was my granddad. And he goes on to just talk about how profoundly these men influenced his life. He said the last time he, it all started, he left Collinsville, he left, the, left the town in 1983. But there was apparently some individuals that had a profound influence in his life. God wants to use us. We have no idea how big his plan is for us. David's son, the son of David, became engaged in what was called the plan of salvation. When David's son, Jesus the Messiah, came on the scene, he lived, he died on a cross, paid the debt for the sins of the world, and rose again from the dead. That anyone who believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Could David have ever imagined out of the brokenness of his dreams that God would bring something so remarkable to bear? You and I have no clue how God intends to use us, but if we will submit to His plan for us and not insist on our own plan for ourselves, He will make far more out of our lives than we could have ever made out of our lives on our own. Let's pray. Father, thank You. Thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for a man with broken dreams from 3,000 years ago who tells us and whose story instructs us so much that we are much better off when we submit to your plans instead of insisting on our own. Father, we pray that you would 
you would make those plans in our lives a reality. Not the plans that we anticipate, maybe. Not the plans that we would desire or choose. Even though they involve incredibly hard times and trials and difficulties. Father, we pray that you would bring from our lives an incredible, beautiful plan that far exceeds anything that our small minds could imagine or envision. Thank you for sending Jesus for us. Thank you for the son of David. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.